look at Psalms 27, the whole chapter. While you're turning there, Father, I just thank you for your church, Lord. I thank you that you have molded us and shaped us in who you want us to be. I thank you for your word, Lord, that it's creative and that when you speak, things begin to happen in our lives, Father. And I thank you that you're not a man that you should lie. I thank you that your mercies are new every morning and that your promises are ever true. Oh, God, speak to us tonight, Lord. And I just pray that your word would have free course in this place. And that we would leave here changed and not challenged. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalms 27. I'm going to be reading out of the King James. Because it's just, you know, I memorized this as a child. I love the way it sounds. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should camp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise up against me, in this will I be confident. Are you confident tonight, church? One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all of my days, and to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle, he shall hide me and he shall set me up upon a rock. Aren't you glad? Isn't that the place that you want to live, church? I do. That is my secret place. Verse 6. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing. Yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou, when thou sayest, seek my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not. Forsake, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy ways, O Lord, and lead me in the paths the plain paths because of my enemies. Deliver me not over under the will of my enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Let me read that last verse one more time, church. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You know, one of the things I've noticed as I've just looked around our world the past couple years, ever since I was born into this cruel wilderness, I've noticed that nothing in the American culture will help you serve God. We like to think that this whole culture was built on the Judeo-Christian principles, and that was true. But there's been such a change now. If you go to LSU and you ask people about their worldview, you'll be shocked that they don't necessarily agree with a Judeo-Christian worldview. Nothing about the American culture has anything to do with Christ, or very little, I should say. There's principles here and there along the road, right? When they say that so-and-so is evil, these people over here is evil. And you're like, what do you base that on? Because you're an atheist and you are all into relativism. So how can this even be? How are you making these statements? So there's still a remnant of truth left behind. But for the most part, nothing about the American culture helps you and I to serve the Lord. 
The number one trait of a servant, whether it's in the natural or the spiritual, is the ability to wait upon your master. That's the number one trait of a servant. And this world will never help you to become a servant that waits upon the Lord. Ever. We don't wait for anything these days. I mean, I was in CC's drive-thru the other day, and people are screaming. They're in front of me, and it was taking a long time because the guy was getting whatever his thing was, sprinkles. And they're screaming at the people to hurry up in front of them, yelling and just honking their horn. And I was just like, wow. You know, I feel like that in my heart, actually. I'd love to join you right now. But the Spirit of God constrains me. But if it takes more than three minutes, we're yelling at it, right? We go to Chick-fil-A. If they don't get it fast enough, we go across the street to Cane's, if you like that junk. Because the whole mindset of our culture is just now, now, now. Me, me, me. Just get everything that you can get. Get it now. It's pounded into our ears through TV and radio and music these days. This demonic worldview of our time of this atheistic relativism. Always working to make you a god in yourself. We deserve it, right? The commercials. Get the best. Be all that you can be. Whatever it might be. Anybody, everybody today just gets a trophy. You see the billboard today, you know? We're here for you. It's all about you. You go to the Little League game and you see the fathers yelling at their sons. That's right, son. You show them who's number one. Ooh. The devil loves it when you're number one, doesn't he? This world doesn't help you to become a servant. Because the number one attribute of a servant is the ability to wait upon the master. Charles Spurgeon said, when you really look at what it is to wait on God, it's as big as walking with God. Did you hear that? When you really understand what the word of God is saying about waiting on God, it's as big as walking with God. So many people just hate to wait on the Lord. The pace of this world is just hurry, 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 hurry. We call it a rat race. But as believers, we don't like to admit that we become the rat in the maze. We lose our ability to wait upon the Lord. And that waiting is not passive. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Amen. I'm not talking about idleness. The waiting that I'm talking about is very, very active. And we won't wait like the word of God says to wait unless we've got a lot of courage and faith. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Why did he say that twice? I think it's because the devil's going to hound you to the day you die. That's just part of living in this world. He's going to say, hurry, hurry, hurry. You got to go now, now, now. Make the decision. Get your Red Bull. Just push through. No matter what's going on anywhere else in the world, I just got to do what's right in front of me. I got to keep up with the Joneses. I've heard that screaming in my ear all of my life. And yet the Holy Spirit is saying to me, wait. Just wait. Will you just wait upon me, Noah? I'll strengthen your heart. Would you just be of good courage? And wait. I don't like to think about that. But somewhere along the line, we've got to learn to wait. And we've got to learn where to wait. Because there's so many people today that say they're waiting on the Lord. But sometimes you're looking at them and you're like, man, you're, you're waiting for the train at the bus stop. Are you really waiting on God? Well, you know, I'm just not doing anything. Except watching soap operas all day and eating bonbons. You know, that's what I'm doing right now. And you just see it in the spirit that they're just, they're not really waiting on God. But they'll tell you, brother, no, I'm waiting on the Lord. I really am. 
I'm waiting on the train and I'm like, yeah, but you're at the bus stop. Gotta get over here. You've got to know where you're waiting. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 7, that if you'll knock, it'll be opened unto you. But you can't just go anywhere knocking on any door. You've got to be in that secret place, knocking on the door of heaven, being intimate with Christ. Amen. Being in the spirit realm, shutting the world out where you're alone with the Lord, seeking him with all your heart. We can't just wait anywhere. We've got to wait at the door of God. Do you have that place in your life? Do you have that place in your home? Can you go outside at a bonfire or on a swing or whatever it might be and just have the Lord wrap his arms around you? Because that's the source of everything. He invites us to come to his table. He says, come and dine. But we're like, I want to go through the Chick-fil-A drive-thru, God, because I want it right now. I don't want to wait. This cane's open. This one's too long, man. You ever go to buy Chick-fil-A in the middle of the day, you know, lunchtime, and it's like, they're, they're putting cones out in the road, folks, and the police are there to make sure directing traffic around everybody because it's down the road. Some people are foolish enough to stay in that thing. They could, like, drive across town to the next one and be on their way. I never understood that. But anyways, that's the world. But oftentimes, we wait on God like that. We only want to wait on him like a fast food drive through We don't want to spend any time just having intimacy with God to really just wait in his presence and maybe not even say anything, but just wait upon him. We don't find value in that as the people of God. Isn't that strange? We just like to do all the talking. We like to put the praise and music on. I'm not down in any of that. Or we like to sing the whole entire time. But when is it that we just sit and we wait upon the master? If you're waiting on the train, I suggest that you move over to the train station and move the, leave the bus stop alone. Amen. If you're waiting on the Lord, knock on his door. If you're waiting for rain, get an umbrella. Have expectancy in your heart. Move to the place where you know that's my secret place. I'm going to be intimate with God. I'm not just waiting for an answer. I'm just waiting for his presence. It doesn't matter how long the answer comes. I want to be right here in the intimacy with my Savior and my Lord. It's easy to be religious and convince ourselves that we're really waiting on God by doing nothing. But that's not what David's talking about. It's not a passive waiting. It's very, very active. Otherwise, it just becomes an idle time. And we use it for an excuse to do zero There's all these things that we need people to be involved in at the church. Nope, right now I'm just waiting on God. God's called me to be a pastor someday, and so I'm just waiting on God. I'm not making any preparation for any of that. I'm single right now. I know I'm going to be married one day, but I'm just waiting on God. I'm not making any preparation for my future. I'm not spending time with God at all to know how I should treat my wife, how I should raise my kids, what my finances should look like. If I should have a house or not, what type of vehicle I should be driving at this time, where I should be living. Nope, I'm not doing any of that. I'm just sitting here doing nothing. Going to skip my way through the tulips through this life and just see what happens. And we believe that that's waiting on God. That's not waiting on God. That is spiritual activity becoming dormant. But David's talking about an active faith that's waiting upon God, that's full of courage. So if you're waiting on God, 
Turn the TV off. If you're waiting on the Lord, then stop busying yourself with all the things of this life that don't matter, Martha, and go sit at the feet of Jesus and wait and wait right. Wait the right way. This is the Wednesday night crowd. Y'all are going to be waiting anyway because you want the heart of God. So if you're going to wait, wait right. Don't waste your time. Amen. Get into your closet. Shut the world out. Wait right. Wait right. When people read about waiting on the Lord, the heart so often, it's just wrapped up in the situation. And it's hard to just put everything that you're thinking about, everything that you're troubled with, everything that is attacking your mind, just to the side and get alone with the Lord and say, Lord, none of that matters right now. I'm just here waiting on you. That's difficult. I know. And because of that, we rarely get into the secret place to really wait on the Lord. Because we're not there for him. We're there for me. 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 Good old number one, me. And so when we pray, we complain. We weep. But we don't wait. We don't wait right. And there are so many messes that we have caused because we never waited on God. Oh, I have so many friends that have gotten married and that it never even lasted five years. In all those situations, never once have I heard any of them say before they got married, do you think that this is the will of God? No. They never waited on the Lord. They just move forward. And the power of their own strength. And it would be different if these people that I know were just brand new Christians, you know, never been disciplined. These are people that grew up in the church. Many of them, they're, they're either in the ministry or their family members are in the ministry. Parents are in the ministry. They've heard all their lives about walking with God, waiting on God, walking out a life of faith, what it means to be led by the Spirit, Pentecostal people. And yet, they don't wait. And I've marveled at times at how arrogant and just how prideful and self-sufficient we become when we step out in our own strength, just in such, like, it's just, I don't know how else to say it. It's just in such presumption that because of who I am, because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit and I've spoken tongues, now when I step out, God's just going to meet me. And then we wonder at the mess that we find ourselves in. For God to answer many of us, he'd have to yell over the CC coffee. He'd have to yell over the LSU football game. He'd have to yell over a form of godliness that denies the power thereof. Dead religion. He can't just speak to us because our ears are not necessarily attuned to his voice. Because we haven't really been waiting on him. It's a terrible thing to look around the church today, the world of the church, and just see how this religious posture is just everywhere today. People say they're waiting on God, and then they just sit back like it's a relaxed, just casual thing. You never see him in the altar. They're never at the prayer meeting. They have, when you talk to them, they're never telling you about what God has just spoken to them in the scriptures. What's going on? No, I'm just waiting on God, man. I don't know what the next thing is, but you know, just skipping through the tulips. 
And it's just like they believe that God's going to come down and knock them over and speak into their ear and pick them up and just carry them and just put them exactly where they want to be. It doesn't work that way. You know, you don't really wait for something unless you place a value on what you're waiting for. If somebody was to tell you that they're going to give you one of those garden flamingos, you know, if you'll go down and wait at the parking lot at Costco, I wouldn't even show up, man. (laughs) I don't care about those stupid things. But some of us might go and wait five minutes, right? I'm going to meet you there at three o'clock. Doesn't show up in five minutes. I'm leaving. This isn't worth my time because it has no value. But if someone was to take my son someplace and they were going to, they told me I'm going to meet you at the Costco parking lot at three o'clock, I'd be there 10 minutes before. And if they were late, I'd be calling on the phone. Where are you? Are you all all right? What's going on? Well, there was an accident. You know, we're okay, but the traffic's backed up. And so we'll be there. Google on the phone here is saying anywhere from three, 30 minutes to three hours. And I wouldn't leave the parking lot. I'd wait because it might be 30 minutes. It might be three hours. I don't know, but I'm going to wait because I place a value on that boy. It means everything to me. So you wait for what has value. Amen. Excuse me. We can't be lazy about this thing of waiting for the peace of God to rule and reign in our hearts. You've got to put value on the one who is the most valuable. Valuable. You've got to put that. You've got to take time to seek the Lord. It's my responsibility as a servant to treat the master as if he is the most precious thing in my life. To give him worth. To know that his breath is the very air that I'm breathing. Amen. If you're waiting for direction, wait on the Lord. If you're waiting for a vision, though it tarry, what does the scripture say? Wait for it. Amen. Listen. Who we are demands that we wait. Who you are. A servant of the Most High God demands that you wait. Nehemiah was the cupbearer of the king. Whatever that means, one of the things in history says that those people would wait right outside that door. And if that king would ring that little bell, they'd hear it. They'd come right in. What do you need, king? I'm here for you. They'd wait on the, on the, on the king. But if the servant was off, Busying himself with the things of this world. He'd never hear that little bell. There has to be a worth of what you're waiting for. And because I'm a servant, I don't have any option about this thing, y'all. There's no option in my life to not wait upon the Lord. This is paramount with us. But people today say, well, I'm a smart man. I'm a smart woman. I'm mature in the Lord. I've been walking with him for a long time, you know, and I've learned how to do all this. I know what Christianity is. I know what it means to come to church every Wednesday. I know what it means to come to church on a Sunday morning and a Sunday evening. I know all of that. 53 years now, walking with Jesus. I know. And there's an attitude of that. But listen, if I could just tell you one thing tonight. Don't ever assume anything with God. Don't make assumptions about your life with God. Don't make assumptions about your position with the Lord. 
because he may change it. Take time to seek him. Know where he's going. Listen, there's never anything lost in the journey when you stop to pray and seek the Lord with all your heart. That's the communication of heaven. I can't even begin to number the times that I've stepped out and fallen flat on my face because I moved in presumption. I just believe that because I'm a missionary now, I'm the head of this organization. We know what we're doing. We've done this for 25 years. Things just don't work the way that you think that they're going to work. Why? Because I didn't wait on God. That's why. It's so easy to just learn to be religious, to just learn how all of this is supposed to work and think that this is the culture of the church. I can tell you what the culture of the church is. The servant of the Lord. Wait upon him with all of your heart in a secret place. He alone knows the direction for your life. He alone knows the answer that you're looking for. You can go to pastors and preachers and ministers and NGOs and they will all fall apart on you. But this God will never fall apart. He holds the secret to everything of life. But we move out so many times, don't we? And we wonder why the home broke up. We wonder why everything just fell apart. Why did the disaster come upon my life? Why did the people die? And it's very rare that you find anybody that comes up to the front and says, y'all, I have a confession to make. All of this happened in my life. All of this turmoil is because I never waited on the Lord. But if you smell it backwards, that's exactly what you'll come to. We like to say, no, it was the drugs. It was the pornography. It was the gambling. Whatever it might be, we like to have all these terrible excuses of sin. But no, no, most people die because they just never waited on the Lord. As a Christian, that's our mandate. And there are people here tonight, no doubt about it. You are on the edge of just getting angry because you're sick and tired of waiting on God. How do I know? Because I've been there. Ready to get mad at the Lord because we're just tired of waiting. And we don't understand the severity of that attitude. Just getting furious with God. And I'm just going to go do it anyway. I'm just going to make up my, I'm sick of waiting. I know the vision that you've given me. and I'm just going to take a step of faith. That's what we call it, right? It's really a step of rebellion because we know that he said, wait. We don't like to think about that. We don't like to think that we're denying the knowledge of God. We're denying the grace of God. We're denying his timing. We're denying his sovereignty in our life. We're denying him even to be master. And we sit on a stolen throne and say, I am going to make this decision. Ooh, don't do that. Don't do that. If we could live this thing without God, I can tell you most of us would. Because that's our nature. Rebels from the get-go. But I never saved myself. I can't keep myself. Aren't you glad? Whatever I possess tonight, I got from the Lord. You actually died with Christ, Galatians 2.20. That's a reality, y'all. If you've been born again, you're dead to all of that. So reckon it dead. Wait on the Lord. You can do it because he's given you a measure of faith. And he never asks you to do anything that he will not equip you to do by his grace. Aren't you glad? Hallelujah for that. I'm a servant. So I've got to know that every day of my life, this world cannot supply anything for me. What I need more than anything is the bread of heaven. I need the Lord to break that bread and actually feed me that. Amen. That's the manna. That's the picture of all of that. But this rotten world is always going to try to feed you junk food. 
It's always like, just come on in here. You know, we got the fast food thing going right now. Listen, this world cannot give you what you require. You cannot go to the 12-step program book at the Christian bookstore to get what you need. The answers that you need are not found in the online school of the prophets. The answer that you need is found in the secret place, meeting in intimacy with your father who knows the direction for your life, who loves you with an everlasting love and knows how to direct you every single footstep. Hallelujah. Wait on the bread. Wait on the rain. That prophet said, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. If we would just get in that place like Elisha was, where we could just know the voice of God. It doesn't matter if it takes three years in a drought. It doesn't matter if it takes 25 years waiting for Isaac to show up. We're going to wait on God and we're not going to go after Hagar to make it happen in our own strength. Because we don't want to walk in the mess that it all just creates. We want to be led by the spirit of God. You wonder how to be led by the Spirit of God? Listen to what I'm telling you tonight. Step number one, learn to wait upon the Master. Learn to wait. It's amazing. Christians were once called pilgrims and strangers on this planet. And we used to sing, not my will, but thy will be done, Lord. But if you look around the church world today, it looks like we threw that out the window about 40 years ago. We used to sing with excitement. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. And now we're trying to collect all this junk. Store trying to keep up with the Joneses. Trying to make things beautiful. But the scripture tells us he makes all things beautiful in his time. What is beauty? I ask you that. What is beauty to you? Is it things of this world or is it an intimacy with God? Knowing that no matter where you are, you're in his will because you've waited on him. You haven't moved in presumption. You've taken time to wait upon the master. And because of that, you have no fear. Because of that, you have confidence. When David wrote about waiting on God, it was a posture. A posture that showed you that you valued what you were waiting for. A posture of a cupbearer with a cup in his hand, just crying out to God, Lord, fill my cup. I'm here to meet with you. Fill it with your presence, Lord, because I want to meet with you. I want intimacy with you. And I know that if I'll just seek first your kingdom, everything's just going to be added unto me. If I wait on you in the secret place, I'm going to know you. And isn't that the goal of our life? But today, so many of us, we just outrun the Lord. We get a vision from God. We get a promise from the Lord. And man, we are, we're gone because we want to accomplish it now. And so we marry before we should get married or we marry the wrong person or for the wrong reason. And then the divorce comes five years later. And we wonder how in the world did we end up like this? Because we didn't wait on God. That's the reason. We just didn't wait upon the Lord. We didn't have good courage. We didn't, we didn't have him come and strengthen our heart. We wanted the Joel Osteen book to make us a better me or whatever. Self-help programs. We couldn't wait. So don't try to outrun God because of what you think you know. 
Don't try to outrun God because you think that he's leading you someplace. And don't try to outrun God because you have a vain vision. It will destroy your life. And for five years or more, some of us more times than that, we have to wait for God and his mercy and grace to rebuild everything that we have destroyed so we can get back on the plan of God because we missed the direction for our life. We got off the freeway at the wrong turn because we weren't willing to wait upon the Lord. I want to eat now. I got to use the restroom now. Get off the freeway now. God's like, no, we're going this way. We're doing this. Oh, a lot of people will try to push you on down that road. And they'll say to you within the church, even come on. How come you're not playing the guitar? Why aren't you on the worship team anymore? How come you're not volunteering on this? How come you're not part of the new Bible study? How come you're not going on men's retreat? Whatever it might be. Why aren't you going to start up this new thing? People will hound you that way. You got to put up with it. We're all going this way and you're not coming. Why aren't you coming with us? What's wrong with you? You think you're high and mighty? You know, brother, if you were really spiritual, maybe you'd get off your keister and actually do something once in a while. But if you'll wait on the Lord, I'm telling you one thing. You will get it right every single time. And you won't have to apologize to anybody. You won't have to rebuild the ruins of your life. Because you've waited on God. He's led you and he's guided you. The church used to pray, not my will, but thy will be done. Oh, but you don't understand, brother Noah. That's for the young adults. You know, they're just getting started in this life. And I'm a worship leader now. You know, I'm a pastor now here at the church or I'm going into missions now. And that's just for the new converts, you know? Oh, no. Let me tell you something. The more a man or a woman of God that you are, the more mature you are in this body, the more this message applies to you. Are you hearing me? The devil is out to get us into all kinds of messes. We're living in the last days. Satan doesn't like people who learn how to wait upon God because he wants you to become part of the mob instead of part of the army. He wants you to just run with the crowd instead of understanding the discipline of the Lord. He wants you to move on impulse. Move on what you want to do. Move because you know how to get the job done and you're a real man's man. Foolishness. And Satan will come and tell us, look how intelligent you are. Why, look at all the experience that you have, Noah. Why, you should be doing X, Y, and Z. And if you don't know how to do it by now, they're going to get somebody else to do it. So you better move before you lose your position. Can I just tell you that If you're waiting on God, if you're being led by the Spirit, there's nobody that's going to steal any ministry that God has for you to do. None. We don't have to be like Jacob. We don't have to be looking it over at Esau and wanting his blessing. We don't have to connive. We don't have to deceive. We can just wait upon the Lord. And you just watch how everything rolls out in your life. Wait upon the Lord. But most people can't tolerate that. So they'll tell you, I know what I'm doing. Are you sure? You know, I've been praying for you. You asked me to pray for you and I've been praying and I just don't really think that uh, you're really at the train station right now. Oh, I am. Look at these buses running by here. This is fantastic. This is what we're doing. We're building it today and we know what we're doing. Whoa, praise God. No, not my will, but thy will be done. That's what we should pray. Do you know who prayed that first? Jesus, 
The son of God prayed that first. And if the son of God had to pray that, how much more do I have to pray that? A fallen man that's been redeemed, but I'm still on my journey of being transformed into his character. The greater the Lord uses you, the more you have to learn to wait upon the Lord. Because success and pride begins to rise up in your life. And you think, I really know how to do something. Don't fall for that. Please, I'm begging you by the mercies of God. Present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Wait upon the Lord. Learn to hear his voice. Have your heart and your ear attuned to him and him alone. Learn to not be distracted by all the cares of this world. Learn to shake off the weights that so easily beset us. Learn to set your affections on things above, not on the things of the earth. Whatever is good, whatever is holy, what is ever for good report? Think on these things. Learn to do that. Samuel told King Saul, you wait, and then I'm going to come and do the sacrifices. He couldn't wait. He's the king of the nation. Couldn't wait. And he made the sacrifices himself, 1 Samuel chapter 13, and God tore the kingdom from his hand. A huge mess because he just couldn't wait. Have you ever been there? I'm telling you, the more God uses you, the more your maturity in the church, the more cautious you must be. So mature Christian, mature board member, mature praise and worship leader, mature pastor, listen to what I'm saying tonight. Wait upon the Lord. Today, the mob is running at breakneck speed. They believe in just compiling unto themselves wisdom and knowledge, and we are going to make the decision based upon what is right to us rationally. But there's an army of God that knows how to halt, to wait, to be led by the Spirit of God. And we must come to this place where we appreciate and know from God as much as we appreciate the word yes from God. And to realize that the desires of our hearts are not always the desires of his heart. The will of my life is not always the desire of his will for my life. In 1 Chronicles chapter 14, the Philistines come up against David. You remember the story? And David goes to the Lord and he's like, what do I do? And God tells him, you go straight up after him, full frontal assault, you're going to win. Really, God... That's what I'm supposed to do. And you're going to be with us and we'll destroy everybody. We're going to win. Yes. He gets two yeses. Yes. Go straight up ahead and go after him. And yes, I'm going to be with you and you're going to get the deliverance. So God answered both prayers. And what seems to me as I read the scripture in just a few minutes, I mean, he's in there for 10 minutes and God just gives him two yeses in his pocket. Hey, one in each pocket. That's just wonderful. I spend two hours in there and get nothing. But David's got 15 minutes and he's got two in each pocket. Boy, that's a wonderful place to live right there. This is revival, folks. And he goes out there and he wins this great victory. Oh, that's just awesome. Praise God for that. Faith is growing. He moves out. But then sometimes later, the Philistines come back and they're in their exact same position, exact same situation. What does David do? Does he go out in presumption? Does he say, God already told me how to handle this situation? That's what most of us do. Oh, I know how to do this. I learned that in Bible school. Well, I remember 10 years ago when this and that happened and God showed us. And I'm telling you what, we got the answer back then. So we're just going to do it right the same way this time. That's a heavenly calling right there, folks. Boy, I read it in so-and-so's book. This is just wonderful. 
I mean, I've read, I read it all. You know, the same thing was said in David Wilkerson's book as it was in Billy Graham's book. And so, you know, that's two witnesses. Out of the mouth, two witnesses. Every word is established. And we're just going to go do it. He didn't do that, did he? No. He went back and he prayed again. Lord, what about this time? What do you want me to do? And God changed the rules. Do I go straight up at him like last time? No. No. This time I want you to go around the side of them. And I want you to get by the mulberry trees. And I want you to wait for me. Wait until you hear the sound of marching. Those are those angels. They join that battle. And then you get in it. But wait on me. What would have happened if he would have just full frontal assault? Do you know? They would have been destroyed. The devil is counting on you to walk in presumption because so many do. He's counting on you. He doesn't try a whole lot of new tricks, folks. He does the same thing over and over and over again. You know why? Because it works really well. There's so few that learn the secret that I'm trying to convey to you tonight. To simply wait upon the Lord. It's very dangerous. And we're from FNT. We're the Wednesday night crowd. We know how to do the choir of praise. We know how to get an answer from God. Do we? I hope you're waiting on the Lord to really know his voice. And you're not moving because of your own vision. Or what you want to hear. The Bible says that David went and asked him again. Somewhere along the line, I'm telling you, a lot of us have heard yes from God in the past, and we're walking in a dangerous road right now. And you're wondering, why is nothing working the way that it's supposed to work? I can tell you why. Because you're in presumption. You haven't waited right. Is it too late? No. Just leave the bus stop and get to the train station and wait upon the Lord. He's rich in mercy. If a disaster hasn't happened yet, so much the better. Get out of that place. Get into the secret place of the Most High. Learn to know His voice before anything else. I love this story in Chronicles. I have just gone back to this time and time and time again in my life. And I've received a lot of criticism from people that are like, how come you're not doing this? How come you're not doing that? Because I'm waiting on God. And I've watched the miracles of the Lord just open up to us because we just learned this one simple thing. One sentence can either kill people or it can make them alive. Just one sentence. And if we would know the sentence that God would have us to speak, if we would get the direction for where these feet are supposed to go, I can tell you, he said the righteous, their feet are led of the Lord. How to be righteous? Wait upon the Lord. Be intimate with him. He will guide your steps every step of the way. So I ask you again. How many of you here tonight are mad because you're tired of waiting on God? How many of you are just on the cusp of just falling into seething anger because you're sick and tired of the situation that you find yourself in? A lot of people just go ahead and make the decision for what they want to do because they fall into that place. What a trap. Do not go there. If anger is rising up in your heart, that's a good check that you may not have been in the secret place with the Most High. 
It may be a good check to recognize that you're on dangerous ground and the Lord is calling you to get more intimate with him. Lay aside all your troubles and lay aside all the things, all the disappointments of your life and say, Lord, none of that matters anymore. All that matters is I just want to be with you. I want to seek first your kingdom. I want to seek first your righteousness because I know everything is going to be added unto me. Amen. So many people, I'll use this married analogy, but they just marry the girl. 18 months later, it's a train wreck. They want out of the marriage. They're in the pastor's office trying to get all the counseling now. Didn't want to have any of that beforehand. But now there's a big problem because there's a little baby over in the crib. And now somebody's got to clean up this entire mess. Somebody's got to counsel everybody. Somebody's got to love you. Somebody's got to get you back into the thing, you know. And it's just an absolute disaster. And we're crying on the pastor's shoulder. We want everyone to pray for us. We're miserable in ourselves, all because of one thing. We never waited upon the Lord. I'm telling you what. When you read Psalms 27, all these beautiful things are said. My father and mother turned against me. All these, but you're going to be there. And I'm just going to walk with God. And oh, there's going to be confidence and all this stuff. And then right at the end, he says it two times. Wait upon the Lord. Be of good courage. It's going to be hard to wait upon the Lord, but he'll strengthen your heart. If you'll just wait upon the Lord, wait, I say upon the Lord, wait upon the Lord church. Don't walk in presumption. This simple principle is the first step in learning to be led by the spirit of God. It's the first step in having a life that is just full of joy, satisfaction, confidence in who you are and where you are. If you're not in that place, then hopefully tonight, this is shedding a little bit of light of the reason why you're in this mess. It's not because you were addicted to gambling. It's not because your heart was after, you know, X, Y, and Z. It's because you didn't take time to wait on God. It takes courage. One thing about waiting on God, you realize that there's an absolute loneliness to this thing. Because he wants to get alone with you into an intimate place where he can really be your God. How many of you read the real Lord's Prayer in John 17? I and you and you and me. Make us one. That's the cry of Jesus' heart for you. Why do we ignore that? Why do we think that performance means anything to God? Why do we think that doing all of this stuff in the church or doing all this stuff in this world and all this ministry and all these things is what gives us value? It isn't. You're of so much value because you're created in his image. He loves you so deeply that he sent his only begotten son to die for you, that you might be redeemed. There's nothing that you can do to, to have more value in the eyes of God. Just wait upon him. Just be intimate with him. Just him and you and you and him. A lot of people never grow in their maturity with God because they never go for the intimacy. They go for the performance. And every man or woman that has ever done anything for God in the history of this world 
have been people that have learned that intimacy is everything. The devil doesn't want you to learn that. He doesn't want you to get alone with God. So you text me and I'll text you. And we'll put the TV on full blast because I can't handle the silence in my home. I'm not even watching the thing, but I got to have the noise there, right? And let's get together for coffee over here and let's get together for coffee over there. And I'm doing all these things all day long because I'm not making any room to have intimacy with God. Busy, busy, busy. And then we wonder, why in God's name do I have all these messes in my life? I'm at every single thing at the church. I'm involved in everything. But my whole life is a train wreck. Why? Because I never learned to wait upon the Lord. It's hard to wait. We stand in this miserable world. It's a howling wilderness. There's all these devils that are around you all the time screaming at you. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Build it now. You can do it. You're a man. You're a woman. You've got all this great knowledge that you've received. My God, look at you. Look at yourself in the mirror. You're just amazing. And we run all over the place trying to do these things. And then it doesn't work. And we wonder, what in the world's going on here? So instead of going to the Lord for the answer, we run to Pastor Andrew. We run to Pastor Felix and Pastor Evan and Brother Noah and Pastor Lee and Sister Carla. And we're like, we got to have all these answers to this thing. What do you think the religious celebrities would do in this situation, Brother Andrew? We want to do everything except what we have to do, right? It's like Pastor Lee says, everybody wants to read every other book except for the Bible. They want to read all these books about the Bible, but they don't just want to sit down and spend time in God's word. It takes courage to wait upon the Lord. I'm going to sew this up. I'm going to put a caboose on this thing. I know I'm getting long. It's Wednesday night. But this word, you know, you look this up and it means to tarry. It means to look. It means to expect. It means to hope. Now listen to me close because this is when it's really going to get good. Some of you already know this stuff. But it also means to bind together by twisting. To bind together. When what you're waiting for finally comes, you're going to be ready for it when it gets there. You're going to be married to that thing. You're going to know it because you're bound to it. In the Old Testament, when they wanted a wife, they took the presents, they got the wife, they carried her back, and there wasn't any of this dating thing for six months. I'm not against dating. I'm just saying this is how they did it, you know. And when the wife got there, the boy didn't say, well, how tall are you? How much do you weigh? Let me smell your breath. No, they just moved in together. They waited. They waited right. And when they came, they were bound to that thing. But today, when people are waiting for something and it finally shows up, they're shocked. Oh, I never expected this. I just never believed it would have turned out this way. This is crazy. But do you know that when they handed Simeon, baby Jesus, he wasn't surprised at all. Not one bit. And when you've been waiting on God, when the thing that you're waiting for shows up, you're not going to be surprised. Not one bit. Because you waited right. To bind together as by twisting. And all the time that you're waiting, you're being bound to something. Oh, that's a wonderful thing. Sometimes God's twisting you. Sometimes God's molding you. We like to think that we're waiting for the other person or we're waiting for X, Y, and Z in this whole circumstance. But so many times, you know what this waiting is for? It's for you. It's for you to be changed and molded and brought into the place where 
you're supposed to be so that God can present you to the situation that you're waiting for. Hallelujah. Simeon knew exactly who that baby was. He didn't have to look at the birth certificate. Does it say Christ on here? No. He knew exactly who this baby was. He said, I've been waiting for this thing. I'm not shocked. I'm bound to this baby. Let me take him in my arms. My eyes have seen thy salvation. He knew he was waiting. Look at the three wise men. When they show up in Nazareth after Jesus was so old, he wasn't in a manger, folks. But they didn't look at Joseph and say, my goodness, where are you folks from? Is it a boy or a girl? No. Because quite some time earlier, those wise men said, you see that star? Is that, let me just, let's take some measurements, fellas. Yeah, that's his. That's the king star. Saddle the camels. Let's go. And when they got there, they knew who he was. Do you understand? This is such an amazing thing, folks. As believers led by the Spirit of God, we should not be people that are saying, well, I don't really know if I'm going to do this or if I'm going to do that. Our answer should not be, well, I don't know if I'm going to marry him. You know, he's a little bit shorter than I really want. Don't really like his funny clothes. Our answer should be, I'm waiting on the Lord. Speak to my heart. Show me. She likes it. I don't. He wants to go fishing. I don't. No, no. If you're looking for a house together, it should be that the two of you go into a house. You look around. You say, you know, this place, it doesn't really have all the rooms that we really like. I don't like the color of this. I don't really know if I like the location, but my God, we've been waiting on God. And it just feels like the right place. It just feels like home. And she says the same thing. Yeah, it just feels like home. And you just take each other's hands in the kitchen and you say, Lord, we've been waiting. And this feels right. Father, we just accept your blessing and you buy the house. You're bound to it. Even though it's not everything you ever expected it to be, you're not surprised at all. Because there's a knowing in your way. Because the Spirit of God is leading you into all truth. When you wait on God, you have to understand it's not just about what you're waiting for. I already said this. I'm saying it again. It's about you. It's about you. You're being changed. You're being molded. And this thing about waiting on God forms you to fit what is coming down your road. Don't you want to be ready for that? So wait upon the Lord. I'm closing. Get to the train station. Don't wait at the bus station. And when you wait, you'll be bound to it. And you will not fail in anything that you put your heart to as you're led by the Spirit of God. But if we don't do that... We're going to marry the wrong person at the wrong time. We're going to move to the wrong city at the wrong time. We're going to buy the wrong car at the wrong time. And we're going to get into trouble, 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 because we didn't take time to wait upon the master. I'm going to read it to you one more time as I'm closing. Wait on the Lord. Verse 14. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. 
wait, I say, on the Lord. Church, you cannot do this in your own strength. You know what your natural mind wants to do? Follow after the things of this world. It's an enemy of God. That's what the natural mind is. And so the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. But if you've been born again, there's been put inside of you a new nature that wants to have intimacy with God. You've been given a measure of faith that will work every single time if you will just take time to wait upon the Lord. And it will be holy, it'll be right, it'll be pure, and it will be worth it all. All of that time that you spent just praying, seeking Him in the quiet place, in your prayer closet, in the secret place of the Most High God, it will be worth it all. And you'll be storing up treasure on in heaven and not on the earth where thieves break in and steal and rust just tears everything apart and nothing's worth nothing. But if we would just wait upon the Lord, he will strengthen your heart. Be of good courage, church. Wait upon the Lord. Let him lead you. Let him guide you in every single area of your life. Would you stand? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just pray that you would strengthen us tonight, O God. I pray that we would not leave this place without considering and knowing where we're really at, Lord. Are we waiting upon you, Father? Are we waiting right? Or are we just rolling the dice and seeing how things are going to play out in our lives? Bring us to a place, oh God, where we really do dwell in the secret place with you. Where we have confidence in what's going on in our life. We have no fear. We have no worry. We're just waiting on the Lord. And though the enemy may scream in our ears, Lord, that you would just take over all of that. Strengthen our heart, Lord. Give us the courage that we need by your grace, Father.